Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle Senra. Joining me are my co-hosts, Alessandro Senator and Caleb Morton. We are Friday, September 13th, so we can get into uh, Thursday night recap if we want. But right now we're going to finish the week two slate of games. We did uh, part one in the previous episode. Now we'll do the other eight games that we didn't complete. Um, so I'll just get right into it and start with uh, the Cowboys at Washington. And so this is two straight games for the Cowboys against NFC East opponents, both Washington and the Giants. Their defenses aren't really aren't really that great. There aren't that many great pieces to make you think that they'll be able to stop the Cowboys. So what the Cowboys did last week, Dak passing all around the yard, I think that they could definitely do that again. I'm sure we'll see more Zeke. Uh, he did see quite a few touches, though. He had three red zone uh, rushing attempts, so it's not like he was underused at all. Um, yeah, so I think I think that that may be the only player that like really sees an uptick, but certainly I think Dak's a great play. The receivers, Cooper, Gallup, even Cobb are all great plays. I, I have one particular league that's pretty deep where I'm playing both Cobb and Gallup, so I uh, just expect it to be kind of Dallas-dominating. As for the Washington side of things, um, I guess expecting it to be such a, a, a high-scoring affair for Dallas means you, you know Washington's going to have to pass a lot more. Could be similar to what we saw with the Eagles. So I think Case Keenum is is worth a decent play. You know, a guy like Terry McLaurin or even Trey Quinn, who saw a few red zone targets, he could have some touchdown upside. Uh, as for running back, so uh, Darius Geis is out. Uh, meniscus injury. And I know they're saying, I think they said six to eight weeks, but no, realistically, now. it realistically could be the whole season. Um, I've seen, we've seen a few players whose seasons have ended with meniscus tears. I don't know how serious it is. I remember uh, Victor Cruz missed, uh, you know, he tore it mid-season. He was out. Obviously, it wasn't this early in the year. Um, same thing with Jimmy Graham. But I don't necessarily know that if those injuries were any earlier, that those players would have returned by the end of the year. So I, I don't know. I, especially if Washington is losing a lot of games, why risk your you know, your prized running back at the end of a lost season, saving for next year? So I don't know. I think Geis is, is droppable. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing with Hunter Henry. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, I don't know. Running back depth is a little more important. So I, I, it, but choosing between the two, I probably would hang on to Geis a little more, even though it does seem like Henry's more on track to return sooner. But uh, I don't know. I feel like both players are droppable. Do you guys agree with that? Um, I would keep Hunter Henry, but I would drop Darius Geis. I would do the same. It's okay. just for the simple My- fact that Geis, he, he had the ACL in the one knee. Now he has to do the other knee. It's not pretty for a kid who just came into the league. I mean, this kid was good. He is good. I, I feel for him, though. I mean, he's... He can't catch a break because he keeps going down with bad injuries, can hit the wrong way. Yeah, I feel for him. Yeah, definitely, it's tough to to feel bad because he does possess a lot of talent. I know coming out, you know, it was the same class as Barkley, so it obviously got overshadowed. But Geis was up there with Nick Chubb in terms of, of running back talent and how people kind of viewed him. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, in his in his wake, we've got Chris Thompson who saw ten targets last week. So again, if if we assume that Dallas is up. Um, and they have to pass a lot. I think Chris Thompson has a huge game. Uh, Adrian Peterson will probably get some playing time and get some looks and some some carries, but I don't know that he's that great of a play. I'd certainly rather would play Chris Thompson. Um, 
yeah, I think uh, I know Vernon Adams or sorry, Vernon Davis uh, for a tight end. I know I've got to play him in a couple leagues where Hunter Henry went down on me. So uh, like for those leagues where I was scrambling, and especially the, the timing of it too, right? It was kind of, it revealed it after Wednesday, after the waiver claims went through. So <laughs> looking through the scrap heap of tight ends and, well, Vernon Davis is starting. And uh, Dallas did allow some points to tight end last week. It, it was Evan Ingram, who's granted a lot younger than Vernon, Vernon Davis, but Davis still looked like he had the moves. So I think uh, Davis is a great play. Or not, not a great play, but he, I think he's a necessary play. Maybe a bit better than a bit better than some of the other receivers. Like again, I like Terry McLaurin and Trey Quinn. What do you guys feel about that matchup, Kayla? What do you What do you think? Am I crazy to put so much faith in Vernon uh, Vernon Davis? No, I was actually going to say that he's a sleeper, um, just because you know even with Jordan Reed's injuries and when he was a little limited last year and Vernon Davis played, um, Vernon Davis was used to at least move the chains and keep drives alive. He might not have shown up in fantasy as much, especially when Jordan Reed played. Um, but I think, you know, you brought up a good point about how Dallas, their leading, you know, receiver that the Giants had was their tight end, Evan Ingram. So I think Washington really benefits from tight end play. And with Jordan Reed out, they're going to need kind of some insurance going on, and it might turn into a bigger game than just insurance. But I would say if you're in need of a tight end, I would look at Vernon Davis. How about my take on the Cowboys players? Do you think uh, you, you're up to – obviously Cooper's a must-play, I think, but uh, do you think Gallup and Cobb are also a great place? not so sure about Randall Cobb, but obviously you're going to play Amari Cooper. I mean, unless a number one wide receiver is injured for any team or you're going up against one of the top three, arguably top five defenses in the NFL, you're going to play a number one wide receiver. Um, I'm not sold on Cobb in the offense, even though he uh, – had a lot of targets last week. I just want to give it more time. You know, we were talking about yesterday how the timetable of one week, hard to judge a player. I just want to see more from him, um, especially since Zeke, I do think Ezekiel Elliott will get more touches and be a bigger factor. Okay. Alessandro, any comments about the matchup? Um, I mean, the, the, there is something. Sterling Shepard is having a concussion. Uh, excuse me. He has a concussion, so he will not be playing. And Cody Latimer is also questionable. So that is huge considering Golden Tate suspended Shepard and Latimer are the top receivers. We're not talking about the Giants. Thank you. (laughs) What? We're talking about Dallas and Washington. NFC East, I get that. I'm sorry. I'm I'm having an off day. I just saw this. And so um, I, I think we ended last episode with the Giants. So maybe you're still in that mind frame. Well, I also just got off work, so I was a little crazy. All right, so switching over to Dallas. Um, I don't think Dak is as good as a quarterback as everyone says he is. Um, if you look at the Giants' defense, it's terrible. It's, it, 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 it rivals the Dolphins' defense. Sorry, Kayla. But it rivals the Dolphins' defense in terms of stopping things. So um, I, I really can't put much faith in Dak Prescott. I mean, he is a upside with the – he can run. So that is the upside for him, but I I don't trust Dak all that much. So I would lean more on Elliott. Gallup and Cooper are your starts because Dak can throw the ball um, decently well. So um, expect the ball to be thrown around a lot on his side. But um, as far as the Redskins go, I, I like Keenum. I really do. I mean, he, he's got 30, uh, 44 attempts, 30 completions, 380 yards, 
three touchdowns, and his O-line without Trent Williams only allowed one sack against the Eagles, who have one of the best D-lines as well as O-line. Mm-hmm. So that's saying a lot for me. And, but, you know, what? But Well, I mean, okay, so the thing with Dak is, you know, you just mentioned Giants have a really bad defense. Do you not think Washington has a bad defense too, or do you think that defensive unit's better? Because we just saw Carson Wentz torch them, so I, I think Dak's certainly capable of doing something similar. Yes, Carson Wentz did torch them, but Carson Wentz has a better supporting cast than Dak, first off, in terms of passing. In terms of passing. I'd get, uh, yeah, but I don't think it's a significant upgrade. I mean, you know, Ertz and Cooper kind of a wash. Djax, I mean, he's he's a much more experienced deep threat than Gallup, but I think the talent's there. And uh, Yeah, Jeffrey over Cobb. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I don't think it's that big of a difference. And, and here's the other thing. When when Carson Wentz came back, he made a comeback in the third and fourth quarter, and they were able to stop Washington. Washington was leading them twenty to seven going to the half. So the the fact that uh, the Skins defense was good enough to hold them before they started torching them, as you say, I mean it, it, it's good enough. Plus, if you could stop Zeke on some level, whether it's passing or r- rushing, and it was very hard for rushing, but if you stop him in the pass and on the checkdowns and all that, you're holding most of the um, the Dak and uh, the Cowboys right there. Because Dak loves to just, you know, chuck it out to the side and hold him down. Because, I, I mean, every good quarterback has a much better running back they could throw the check down to. So he, did, it, it, he did see 77 targets last year, so I think it's, it's the path to him getting targets is certainly there. I mean, he did have two targets last game. But then again, when you have Michael Gallup running up and down the field, I mean, you're not really going to toss out to Zeke. But, I mean... Still. He also only played in fifty four percent of the snaps. That's not something I expect to continue. So you're now, right. You're right. He's still shaking off. He's still shaking off some rust. But but my point is, if he's passing the ball to Ezekiel Elliott, that means that's production for Prescott. I guess. I mean, in, in terms of production, but not yardage. If you're just tossing to Zeke, unless Zeke's going to you know pull Derrick Henry and just go down seventy five yards with it. Well, I think he's but, certainly capable. Oh, it's 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 more more than capable. But I'm just saying, like, look, Again, I'm looking Washington at, defense. Look, I don't think they're that good. No, mm, I mean it's it's a mixed bag for me. I mean, they That's got Josh Norton, you got Montez Sweat, Landon Collins, you got Jimmy Moreland, and you got um, Ryan Kerrigan. It's a mixed bag for me. You you got goodness through each level, but it's not all good. So and but this not all good was able to hold Carson Wentz, who I think is a much better quarterback than Dak. So that's why. I'm saying old Carson Wentz. They did put up 32 points on them, but I, I, I get the point though that it you know it maybe maybe Zeke does so well against them that they just run the football the whole time. That is certainly a, a realm of possibility. And I guess my question to you, Alessandro, is would you rather play Dak or one of these next two quarterbacks that we're going to talk about? Uh, and I, Kayla, unless there's something else you want to talk about with the Cowboys, I think we can move on to Cardinals Ravens. I'm good. Okay, so you know we'll start right off the bat. Would you rather play Dak or Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson? I know you mentioned Dak with his rushing ability and both those quarterbacks. I mean, honestly, have... I'd rather have Lamar mm-hmm. over the, over those two. Murray has good upside. I mean, he came back from a a, a decent Lions defense as a first year, um, just to tie the game. 
And so that 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 says a lot about him. Plus, he also had a couple rushing attempts, three for thirteen. But then you look at Lamar, who we know. I mean, he joked about saying uh, he threw for a pretty good um, um, NFL back or NFL rushing back. So I mean, yeah. it, it's it again, it's a mixed bag. But I'll take Lamar, and you know he he did seventeen for twenty, again three hundred twenty. 324 yards, five touchdowns against the Dolphins. Again, this is the Dolphins. This is <laughs> a, a sorry, Kayla. You got you guys are selling Micah Fitzpatrick for crying out loud. I I, I can't help but do something bad. Say something. Well, but s- selling apparently he's overpriced as he should be. <laughs> he should be. I mean, he's really I mean, good. I would expect him to get a big call if you sell it. We're not talking about the Dolphins right now. And I actually, to be honest, I agree with you. I think I'd play Lamar Jackson over Dak. But I would certainly much rather play Dak than Kyler Murray. Yes, yes, okay. I will agree with you there. Kyler, Mur- I will take that because uh, Murray does have a rushing upside. But you got David Johnson in the backfield. I prefer David Johnson running the ball and Kyler throwing the ball. And then, all right, yes. so going to this game in in actual format, Larry Fitz, David Johnson, Christian Kirk, those are the guys I would play as far as. Cardinals, if you are desperate or in a two-quarterback league, then I would throw in Kyle Murray. Agreed. If you're – and then the other side of the ball for the Ravens, I will play Lamar. Give me Mark Ingram all day, every day. I love those angry runs. Um, I would take Anthony Levine Sr. because um, he's a mixed bag for me, and I like him. But then again, I like to play a little risky in with that. Um that definitely sounds more like a GPP play, but anything like that, like a uh, DFS. It, it is, but anyways, um, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, Willie Snead, and Hayden Hurst are the only guys, as far as receiving wide receiver and tight end, I would take. Um, I would take Mark Andrews over Hayden Hurst, um, Marquise Brown over Willie Snead, but again, those are the four I would play. Perfectly Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, but those are the four. Mark Ingram makes five, and Lamar makes six. Guys, I will play off the Ravens. I mean, the, their defense got picked apart in the offseason. I grabbed Mosley. Um, what uh, Weddle went to with the Rams. We got Suggs, Darius Smith in the, for the Packers. Yeah, Suggs went to um, um, the, the Terrell Suggs went to uh, the Cards. Yeah, so, so they're playing him against him this week, actually. Yeah, a little bit of a revenge game, but not really. He left on his own. I mean, the cards are still missing uh, Patrick Peterson, but they got Chandler Jones, and they have Buda Baker, so it's not too much of a hit, but still a hit. Um, it, it, if you're feeling really frisky, you could go for Andy Isabella, but I'm not feeling that frisky. <laughs> um, that's the only about thing that. I'll say about Andrew is apparently he didn't practice today, but I I'm also hearing that it's just a rest day for surprisingly he's already getting veteran rest days. <laughs> um, but I guess he's do- he's doing so well and he's kind of I don't know I- I've been kind of suspecting through the offseason that he was going to be their number one receiver this year. Um, I mean he saw eight targets I think he was the most targeted Raven last week so it- that may hold true. Caleb uh, Schefter reports that Andrews will play Sunday, so. Okay. Yeah, again, it, the reports were that it was just a rest day, then there's no injury, he's not on the report. Kayla, what do you think about this matchup? Um, I like Mark Andrews in this matchup, especially because looking at fantasy leagues, not a lot of leagues 
or he wasn't a high volume tight end draft in a lot of leagues and he wasn't picked up for week one. Um, some, I know some leagues have, you know, week zero waivers or whatever. Um, but he was a free agent in a lot of leagues and I actually picked him up in one of mine. He was available because Hunter Henry went down. Um, he did have eight targets. He did lead the Ravens receiving core. Um, and I think he really stands apart from the other receivers. I mean, Willie Sneed had targets just because who didn't have targets against the Dolphins. But um, I am a little skeptical of Marquise Brown, only because if he wouldn't have had his 80-plus yard touchdown and his 44-yard touchdown, um, he had two catches for minimal yards, and we wouldn't be talking about him if he wouldn't have had his long touchdowns. It would have been like he didn't make a good effort in his opener. What's wrong with him? Um, So I think, you know, the Cardinals' defense isn't great, but they're not the Dolphins' defense. And I think um, after this week, when the Ravens' schedule starts to pick up a little bit more and they play some defenses that have had their units together longer, um, he's going to struggle. So I think if you want to play Marquise Brown this weekend, you can, but I'd be skeptical of his performances going forward until he shows that he's capable of being a receiver against top defenses um, or really even capable defenses. Uh, So... I'd play him this week if I had to, but going forward, I would just monitor his production. Um, But I do like Mark Andrews in this play. And I like Lamar Jackson just because of the Cardinal style being like the Dolphin style. They're still rebuilding. They're still looking for answers. I mean, if you watch Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, they're talking about if you're Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of Arizona, you're taking your tie as a win. Like, that's how how bad everybody thought Arizona was going to be this year. So they're, they're projected to not get many wins. So the fact that they tied and they didn't lose, um, to count that as a win. I mean, they're playing the same style of team who's in a rebuilding mode as the Dolphins. So I feel like a lot of people are going to end up overhyping the Ravens after the first two weeks, but they'll come back down to reality in the weeks going forward. Um, Alessandro, like you said, with Mark Ingram, obviously play him again. Um, he's a good running back, even when you get into the weeks where you have better put together defenses. Um, but I think he's a must-start also. Angry runs. So what I'm hearing for you, Kayla, is maybe a good trade strategy is play Brown this week, and then now that the schedule is going to be getting tougher, maybe uh, you know hope he does well this week and sell him after two great performances. You may be able to get a more consistent receiver or help at running back. <laughs> Again, I'll iterate on almost every show, running back depth is so important. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I would try to trade Marquise Brown. Um, because, you know, there's always somebody in your league who you always scratch your head at the moves that they make. So, I mean, if you're trying to win, take advantage of the weaknesses in your league and to trade him um, because you can get something back from him that you arguably need more, most likely. Yeah, I mean, not to be in a league with you, you're a shark. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dynasty Leagues is where I would still probably hold Brown because, I mean, again, we've just seen one game and he barely had – he didn't really have much – practice time with Jackson recovering from injury so and even in this game he only played 14 snaps and to get 147 yards on 14 snaps is pretty incredible I think so at the dynasty I think the future is super bright for him but you're right redraft this may be his best game of 2019 so as a redraft perspective even like today maybe trade like before Sunday maybe even trade high and see what you can get for him um I think we can move on to the next matchup. Uh, another, it's an AFC South divisional game. It'll be the Jaguars at the Texans. So, Kayla, take us away. 
Um, so starting with Jacksonville, I actually have a sleeper going to quarterback Gardner Minshew. Shout out ECU. Uh, but he <laughs> was 22 for 25 for 275 yards with two touchdowns. He did have one interception in the game, but he came in after we saw Nick Foles leave with his collarbone injury. Now that he's on IR, you're obviously not going to play Foles or even roster him, in my opinion. Um, so the fact that Minshew came in midway through the first half and found receivers like D uh, D Westbrook and DJ Chark. DJ Chark stock definitely rose. Um, I keep an eye on him to see what his chemistry can be with Gardner Minshew. Um, Jackson for Jacksonville, I really only have having a sleeper um, with Gardner Minshew. I'm not really sold on starting anybody else. Um, but for Houston, I have stardoms for. Uh, quarterback Deshaun Watson and wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, but I have a bust alert on wide receiver Will Fuller just because he only had two catches for 69 yards in a back-and-forth game with New Orleans. And uh, Bill O'Brien this week, the head coach for the Texans, said that the team is going to try to use Kenny Stillsmore, who they acquired in the blockbuster trade from the Dolphins with Laramie Tunsil. Uh, so I think if Stills is more involved in the offense. He's also a deep threat like Will Fuller. So if Fuller loses, you know, those passes that really make or break his games with the touchdowns, um, he could he could struggle, um, especially against Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville's defense didn't do well last week against Kansas City, but, you know, there's multiple teams who it's kind of a wake-up call when you get embarrassed in week one. So I think they're going to be a little bit better on defense. I don't think they're going to win this game and I wouldn't start them against Houston, but I don't think they're going to give up as much as they did to Kansas city. But uh, Deandre Hopkins, I feel like is always a must start. It doesn't matter his matchup and Deshaun Watson, their wide receivers are much more involved and arguably better than their run game right now. So he's going to be throwing away and, I mean, they're going to be upset about how they lost last week. Um, so I, that's who I'm starting in that game. Hey, Kayla, I do have to ask one question. Um, the Steelers did have a blockbuster trade. Not really a blockbuster, but I like to say blockbuster. Trade <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Steelers for Josh Dobbs. Do you think Card Minshew may have a problem if Dobbs wins the battle over him? I mean, granted, this is going to be a tough matchup for them considering it's Houston, and Houston is about five times better than uh, Jacksonville, um, and that's a very um, low ball on it. Um, yeah, actually, that seems pretty insulting, five times better. Really? So so tell me, tell me I mean, one Jaguar wide receiver that compares up to DeAndre Hopkins. None. Tell me one NFL wide receiver that compares to DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Okay. Are you saying uh, just the receiver core? One, sorry. Sorry. Did I mishear that? Are you just saying just the receiver core is five times better? Uh, no. Um, tell me one guy that matches up with uh, J.J. Watt. Uh, Calais uh, Campbell. Guy. Calais Campbell has <laughs> arguably been better over the last two seasons than J.J. Watt has. We can look at the PFFs if you really want, but I know you don't really like that, so... No, no, we can, but then again, you have to look because the guy's been injured for a little while, so I would grant that. I think the Jaguars' secondary is much better than the Texans' secondary. Yes, I I believe that, too. Um, (laughs) And and it's because they poached A.J. Boye away, which uh, was actually... Sorry, I'll let you continue, Alessandro. Sorry. No, 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 we're going to go back and forth all day with this, but we got to move on because we got fantasy. Okay, well, to answer your question, Alessandro, um, at least right now, Jacksonville has said that Gardner Minshew is the first-string quarterback for right now. I think, you know, obviously they needed a backup quarterback, but, you know, 
or should I just want to give him some chances um, in games? I mean, hell, the Dolphins put in Josh Rosen last week, so um, who knows? But um, I think for right now, just in this game, Gardner Minshew is a is a sleeper just because he's going to play and he was successful last week. And we also don't know how much practice he really did have with the first team. So the fact that he came out there and played with the first team and looked to have chemistry and was able to make plays, uh, I think speaks volumes in my opinion. I'm only asking because, you know, it's, it's just like how you said just now, um, they may throw Carter, uh, Josh Dobbs out there. And if Josh Dobbs does better and actually somehow gets Jacksonville behind the ball rolling, I'm not saying they are, but just somehow, I mean, uh, he could win starting battle, so that's why I'm only asking. Yeah, but it's not going to come this week if it happens. Oh, God, no. Yeah, I think Minshew, with his, I mean, he played really well against the Chiefs, kind of coming in cold, you know, without a week of practice, right, as, as, as the first team starter, right? Yeah, 275, two touchdowns, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he I think with that performance, even though they lost, I think he bought himself, not just one week, I think he bought himself at least a good four or five weeks where even if he plays poorly, they're still going to give him shots. I mean, again, he, he, Dobbs is coming in, does not know the playbook at all. Uh, so I, I when's when's Jacksonville's bye week? If it's late enough, that may be somewhere I would look at in super flex leagues to kind of target. Jacksonville's uh, bye week is um, ESPN won't tell me. Oh, none of my. <laughs> just go to any fantasy league we have with a Jags player, unless none of us have Jags players. Nah, nah, I don't think anyone was. Um, okay, but while we're looking for that, though, I, Kayla, I actually, I kind of like your point about Will Fuller because um, looking at the snap counts, Will Fuller played 65 of 67 snaps. Kenny Stills played 26, 28 of 67 snaps, and they both got three targets. So even in the, the limited playing time, it looks like Watson is looking Stills' way at least as much as Fuller's way. Um, and again, I mentioned AJ Boye. Assuming Jalen Ramsey covers DeAndre Hopkins, I think AJ Boye is probably going to be on Will Fuller, and I, I, you know, Sammy Watkins burned them both last week, so maybe you know that duo isn't as you know lock solid, impressive as we think. But I mean, I don't know. I, I could see Hopkins having a, a big day, and Will Fuller kind of getting shut out by Boye. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Jacksonville defense, uh, Jacksonville uh, bye week is week ten. Week ten. So I mean. Realistically, I don't think we'd see Dobbs until week 11 because you want to give this guy time to get the playbook. And I think you really want to see what you have in Gardner Minshew. Um, I mean, yeah, unless you lost they go, it. They go bad enough in the game. Like, I mean, it's possible. Although I, I, agree with, I agree with Kayla. I don't think it's going to be this week. I think this, no, you know, not, uh, three, four days of practice is not enough for Dobbs to understand this playbook. Um now, no, no one mentioned Leonard Fournette, but I think he's sort of a an automatic start anyway. No. Early enough? I wouldn't. Really? You guys are both saying no? No, I wouldn't start Leonard Fournette. No, I wouldn't either. Because Houston, Houston did just allow a lot of rushing yards. I know it's Kamara, but even Latavius Murray looked good. And while I won't say the Jags' offensive line is as good as um, the Saints' offensive line, certainly, it's still a pretty solid unit when they have everyone healthy. Um I don't know what Cam Robinson's concerns are yet. I know he missed last week. I mean, in this game, on Houston, on the Saints, uh, Houston side alone, um, give me Deshaun, give me D-Hop, give me Fuller. I like them. Um, maybe Hyde if it's a flex play. 
Um, I'm still the jury's out still on that, but that's about it for the Saints. For the Jaguars, um, I'll take Shark. I'll, I'll I'll roll the dice on Shark, and um, give me Westbrook. That's about it. I don't trust Leonard Fournette. You knew this going in. I mean, when we had our um, power rankings when we did way back when with Dino, um, and we yep. did uh, running back rankings, I was not very high on Leonard Fournette. I didn't like him, and I still don't like him. I mean, 13 carries, 66 yards, that's an average of 5.1 yards, but his longest was 14. So you take that away, and he's already down to less than four yards per attempt. And then you look at, you know, Raquel Armstead, Gardner Minshew, D.D. Westbrook, they all rushed. Obviously, they only did once, and they had, you know, everything like that. But the, the Chiefs' defense is not that great as far as the run stop, and it... it if they if Leonard Fournette was back to his old form and actually really good again, then that that number should have been a lot higher and this should have been a different contest. It should have been the run game versus the pass game, but neither happened. So I don't trust Leonard Fournette in that sense. I mean, he saw six targets, so I don't know what you're saying that the I mean the yards weren't there, but I mean he saw as many targets as D.D. Westbrook did. No, no, I'm the rushing attempt yards, not the passing. Well, I get that, but I mean, you just said he ran for over five yards a carry. I mean, yeah, no touchdowns. Uh, in terms of red zone work, they didn't run in the red zone, right? And that's that. I guess that's of all the things that I'm concerned with. That's my biggest concern because uh, over the last two years, they have been such a run-heavy team in the red zone, and suddenly they only had four red zone opportunities, and all four were passes. Um, we have a running back who can't do that. I mean, wow. What do you mean you can't do that? We've seen him do it before. Okay, so we've seen him do it before, but how many you know rushing touchdowns did he have last year altogether? Oh, I, mean, I think la- I would I would think I would look for his rookie year as a better example. I think he has exactly. nine. Exactly. I mean that that's it's his rookie year, and he's how many years in the league now? This is his third. I mean, granted, it was only two years ago. If you want to count this as his third, um, it's still it's not it's not a whole lot, and it still doesn't make me feel good. Plus five touch five touchdowns actually six touchdowns in eight games. That's actually pretty good. Like that's not Is that his rookie year? No, he had ten touchdowns in thirteen games in his rookie year. I'm trying to get his statistics up. I just have them, I told you. <laughs> um and I just looked it up. Cam Robinson is uh, practiced limited, but I mean it's a Wednesday and there's a lot of guys that were limited, like Calais Campbell and another defensive end I can mention that's almost to the point of uh Watt is Marcel Darius, so I don't know. I, I I think Fournette's a good play this week. Again, we saw Houston give up a lot of yards on the ground to not just Kamara, but to Latavius Murray as well. So we can't all just chalk it up to Kamara being supremely talented. And, and yes, I get it again. The Saints offensive line is amazing. Jags offensive line is pretty good too, though. And part of what really derailed last season was I think four of the five starters ended the year on IR. And like early enough in the season, like Cam Robinson tore his ACL like week one or two. So I don't know. I think with this offensive line intact, I think... Uh, Houston's defense isn't nearly the animal it used to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, they have J.J. Watt. Win- Whitney Merciless, great player, but I don't know. It just seems like that it's not a, a unit that's that's always going to be uh, among the best in the league. So, uh, again, I have no fear playing Fournette. I know you two both have hesitation. And uh, Kayla, any final comments about this matchup? I just, I'm not going to play Leonard Fournette because I feel like they're going to take the runaway with being uh, up so much. So, I think it's going to force Jacksonville to have to throw. So when you have to throw, yes, uh, Fournette, I think you said, had six targets. But if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of high for him. I don't 
picture him as a pass catching back when I think of Leonard Fournette or trying to think of games where, you know, he's been a factor in the passing game. So if he has a low average for rushing yards and uh, was held out of the end zone in a high scoring game last week when Jacksonville needed to score against Kansas City to come back, that concerns me. And I just think Jacksonville is going to be down early. So they're not going to want to waste the clock with Leonard Fournette, especially if he can't make an impact. Well, Kyle, let me ask you this. Would you rather have Leonard Fournette or one of the running backs in the next two games that we're going to talk about? Um, ooh. Well, yeah. actually, uh, definitely not Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs what? is... Yeah. <laughs> That's hateful. Well, what do you mean? I think I'd rather have Josh Jacobs, as I'm saying. Like, oh, like, I thought you asked who I played over, right? I, I wouldn't play him over Josh Jacobs. Uh, I want to say David Montgomery because the gender run defense isn't that great. But you see, Fournette, we know he's going to get volume and Montgomery's not. So, I, I yeah, I think the only running back I could see wanting to play over them, I guess Damian Williams just because he got enough red zone work. Uh, but, McCoy? Nah, the volume's not there. I mean, the efficiency probably will be against Oakland, but again, I think I think Fournette's gonna have a good game against Houston. So yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd rather have Damian Williams and Jacobs, but then Fournette, give me Fournette third there over McCoy, over Montgomery, over Lindsay. All right, all right. Well, Andy, again, the only reason the only reason I like Damian Williams is because he got seven seven red zone attempts last week, four carries, three targets, and one carry inside the five. The only player more. Red zone work was Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think eventually that's going to go down, but I would ride Damian Williams now and um, sort of, I guess I guess this is my match, so I guess I can talk. But uh, similar to what Kayla kind of suggested with uh, Marquise Brown, I think Damian Williams is a guy that ride him these first couple weeks and then look to sell him as soon as you can. Because um, I think eventually Sean McCoy is going to take over. Williams still outsnapped him pretty significantly. And again, he kind of dominated the red zone Red zone opportunities. I guess Travis Kelsey got four targets, but other than that, no one else had one more than one red zone target or, or carry. So it seemed like once they got to the red zone, it was all Damian Williams and Travis Kelsey, and they won. Why would why would they change suddenly? And I think Oakland's going to allow a lot. So yeah, I I, I like playing Damian Williams here. Uh, I don't think we have to tell you to play Mahomes, or I think at this point Josh Jacobs because I mean his volume was enormous and. I guess the only concern with Josh Jacobs is that he only got one target last week. Uh, but they also didn't really need to throw because they were up for the entire game or most of the game. Not going to be the case against the Chiefs, so maybe we see Jacobs more involved in that. We could also see more Jalen Richard. But I think either way, Oakland's going to come out and give Jacobs a, a lot of carries. And I think he's... I mean, he has to be the easily the most trustworthy Oakland player. I don't think that's even close. I, I like playing Tyrell Williams this week, though. Um, I mean, if DJ Chark and... And you know, and and uh, Chris Connolly can work with Gardner Minshew against the Chiefs defense and score points. Some of that was foals, but but still, as we saw, Minshew did well. If, if that can happen, I think Derek Carr to Tyrell Williams is going to be a connection that's going to produce a lot this game. They started last week. Williams even got a red zone target. Uh, and now that AB is not there, uh, I mean, find me the the receiver that's going to stop Tyrell Williams from being the number one guy. M- maybe it's the tight end Darren Waller. But I, they were both on the field so often. Williams saw 95% of the offensive snaps. Waller was on the field for 100%. Uh, Oakland also ran a lot of two tight end sets. So I think Darren Waller is a, a, a really good play at tight end, actually. I was talking about Vernon 
Davis earlier. I keep wanting to say Vernon Adams. I'm in, I'm still in CFL mode. Uh, mentioning Vernon Davis earlier, I think I think I'd probably rather have Waller. This game I expect to be a higher shootout. If I if I remember correctly, this is the game with the highest uh, total combined total. And I, again, most of that is because of the Chiefs total. But uh, Vegas definitely expects this to be a, a high-scoring affair. So uh, I wouldn't be shy to play, at least, again, like I said, at least Tyrell Williams and, and uh, Darren Waller. You can go with some deeper Raiders receivers. I think, obviously, with Tyree Kill out, Sammy Watkins is a must-play every week. Travis Kelsey is a must-play every week. You can get adventurous with guys like McCole Hardman. I almost wonder if, again, you know, LaShawn McCoy is probably worth a flex play at, at the very least. I, I think he'll see more than 20% of the snaps since he did look so good. Or I guess 29% of the snaps. Um, so yeah, I, I have pretty good confidence in playing both running backs this week. And Watkins, and I, again, I, I wouldn't shy away from this match, but I think it'll be really high scoring. Kayla, yeah. what do you think? Um, I think that Darren Waller is definitely a start, especially, you know, we were talking earlier about Hunter Henry going down and who he could pick up. He's kind of like Mark Andrews in the sense that not many people took him in the draft or before week one. So he's probably available when neighbors and he's probably available in a decent amount of leagues still. Um, but I like Darren Waller. There's a lot of talk about him in the preseason. And um, he proved by getting, I think it was seven catches for 70 yards, uh, even when they were up and used Josh Jacobs a lot. So if he gets that production when they don't even really need to get him the ball and he got the ball anyway, um, I can't imagine what his production is going to be when he actually needs to become a factor and they need him in the game. Um, so I would definitely say to pick him up and start him. Because even though Tyrell Williams, I think, had 16.5 points in standard leagues, um, they need a number two wide receiver. So why not make it your tight end who's proven that he can produce? Uh, just to let you know, Aaron, uh, Darren Waller is on less than uh, 64% of leagues. Alessandra, I can barely hear you. Sorry. Is that better? Uh, yeah, it is better. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, Darren Waller is owned in 64, less than 64% of leagues, so um, he's probably available in most leagues. Um, Not the leagues that I had Hunter Henry in, because I definitely was looking for him and had to settle for Vernon Davis. Rip. Um, as far as this game goes, there are... Obviously, I want I want to start the Chiefs. I'm not even going to touch them. You know, those I know the usual cats. So I'll start with them. Um, Carr is it is definitely an interesting. He's definitely a super flex play. Yes. And yes. and if I'm really 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 desperate, um, yeah, I'll play Carr. Josh Jacobs, give me all of that. I'll buy every single one of those stock. Um, I'll play Tyrell Williams because I'll just play him. I want him to come to the Jets, but we lost out and got Crowder. Or we actually didn't actually contact him. I don't know, one of the two. But we got Crowder instead. I wanted Tyrell his fast, and he would have complimented Robbie so well. But Tyrell Williams is the number one right there. The only person I think they could overshadow him as far as the number one is, is rookie Hunter Renfro. But he is my mega sleeper. And here's why. While at Clemson, his nickname was Mr. Third Down. He didn't get a whole lot of love obviously, but he got enough love to get every single third down play. If it's third down, they either, depending on how many yards they got to go, they're looking, um, Trevor Lawrence or Kelly Bryant or whoever was under center, 
looked towards Hunter Renfro. And he got three targets, hauled in two of them uh, for 13 yards, which is not terrible, but when you take away the fact that one of them was for 10 yards, yeah, it's not that great. But Hunter Renfro, when him and Carr connect, I feel like that's going to be a huge thing because the kid's fast, he's a slot receiver, and he can't, and he has a dirty juke. It's it's really like it will break ankles, kind of dirty. So that's like that's actually a really good point, Alessandro. And we know that Carr loves to throw underneath. Um, certainly is not been shy of that. Although he did, you know, having a guy like Tyrell Williams does make him want to throw deep. But uh, talk about target share. I mean, he saw only one target less than Ryan Grant. When I look at how much they were on the field, Ryan Grant played forty-one snaps. Renfrew only played sixteen. So you're less than half. They each got a red zone target. So. Uh, you know, using him in the score areas, I wouldn't be shocked if Renfro's at the very least the number three receiver, maybe by two weeks from now, um, behind probably Williams and Waller. Uh, that's right. a great name, Williams Waller. <laughs> it's the W Company. No, um, Renfro, he he's a very good wide wide receiver, and you know, just looking at the depth chart alone, obviously you're going to throw it to your um. Your main guy, you got Tyrell Williams, and then you're going to throw it to Darren Waller, obviously. Um, depending if they run two tight set, they could throw it to um, Foster Moreau. But, you know, looking at the depth chart, you got Ryan Grant, Tyrell Williams, J.J. Nelson, and then Hunter Renfro. J.J. Nelson, I, I don't even see him on the board. And Ryan Grant, and Ryan Grant just, like you said, only had one more reception, one more target above Hunter. And I mean, Nelson barely played at eight snaps on yeah. offense, right? I, I, I would, I didn't really, I didn't really write down the special team snaps, but I, I'm wondering if that's more of his role, and maybe a, a no, you know, he's a good deep threat too. Like he would be if if Tyrell Williams ever went out, I think JJ Nelson would probably have the biggest step up in volume because he kind of replaces that role. But as long as Williams is there, I don't really see a, a path for success for JJ Nelson. No, and and Dwayne Harris is the is the kick return and the punt return. Uh, yeah. Specialist, and he got a reception for seven yards. So that tells you everything you need to know about the dynamic of this against a. a, a I'm not even calling them decent Broncos defense. They got torched. They did. Well, okay. Do you want to get to that now, uh, Kayla? Are we done with this matchup? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Broncos defense and offense and their opponent, the Bears. Alessandro. The Bears. <laughs> um, Ooh. What's wrong, Kyle? Well, I actually, nothing's wrong because we beat the Bears last week. But go ahead. Exactly. So what's wrong, Kyle? Um, you said okay. the Bears. The Bears. Um, so obviously with the Bears Ew. playing the – shut up, man. Um, playing the Packers last week. Um, it was an ugly game through and through. Uh, Green Bay side, Bears side. The only thing that was good was the defenses on both sides. That's the only good thing. And obviously, you're going. It, it's in the defense you trust. Obviously, um, Trubisky got booed out. The the running backs got booed. It was it was a horrible affair. And I think that it, that's more with the fact that they they all had to shake off some rust. Um, none of them all played. You know, Green Bay side or Bear side, they barely played if at all um, in the preseason. So they gotta get that. They gotta get jelly again. And um, I think this one game. Obviously, it's not looking good, but you know, got the actual one physical game plus practice plus they had camp, so I think they're going to start getting jelly in the next game. So I could definitely see Trubisky having a bounce back. 
Um, Mike Davis was good. He came over from Seattle, and when he came over, you know, uh, he was number one, but there was reports of David Montgomery being the best of them, but, you know, Davis had the most yardage, and but he didn't have the most carries. That was Montgomery. Montgomery had one more carry than him, but he had one one yard less, so it's a, it's a toss-up right there. Um, but no running back had more than 10 yards as a long or more um, in one shot. So uh, there was a lot of stoppage up front because of Zadarius Smith and uh, Jair Alexander, Preston Smith, insert awesome linebacker from the Green Bay. Um, they were able to just effectively stop the run. Blake Martinez. There you go. Because um, they didn't have any other linebackers. No. No, they literally um, played one inside linebacker most of that game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Preston Smith is outside linebacker. Um, anyways, shut up. Uh, Allen Robinson, he was the biggest beneficiary. He uh, went down. Um, was it Allen Robinson or Allen? No, it was Hearns. Um, but Allen Robinson still wasn't looking good, but this game he looked good. Uh, seven receptions off of 13 targets. Most of those were Trubisky's fault. That he missed. Um, still, I was gonna say I thought it was Trubisky's fault that he was targeted, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and I mean, he could have had more targets too if uh, Trubisky yeah, he saw him wide. If they actually had momentum, and you know, Trubisky was able to have uh, time to actually throw the ball and not get sacked, you know, those five times. Um. Anyways, uh, so that that's the, that's the Chicago side. Looking at Denver side, uh, Flacco. I wouldn't still call him a league quarterback, but he did above average. You know, 21 completions off of 268 yards, one touchdown. Um, Royce Freeman, a little and Penzi, a little Philip Lindsay. I'm sorry, I can't talk. Um, obviously, that's a running back by committee. That's what we were all afraid of because now that killed Lindsay's value. Um, as far as receiving goes, it's kind of how we had it shaked out. Uh, when we had our Broncos episode, Cortland Sun being number one, um, ML Sanders being number two, Noah Font, he, he he did some good stuff. You know, he had one catch for nine yards and another catch for 20 yards. So he did pretty good off of his um, four targets. He only held him two of those. And uh, Deshaun Hamilton, obviously a third in the pecking order. Um, overall, these two games, uh, the games against these two defenses and offenses were not pretty. So as far as people I would play, um, Trubisky and Flacco, PPR, Superflex Leagues, um, nothing more. I wouldn't have played him in normal redraft. Um, give me Mike Davis. Give me David Montgomery. Um, I'll take Allen Robinson and Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen lined up every single time as a wide receiver, or at least the majority of the time as a wide receiver. He may have done some out of the backfield, but he did not take a rush. So um, that's a little bit concerning since, you know, you, you like a running back to have that dual capability with Tariq Cohen being um, just set up as a wide receiver. So he's probably a flex play, but give me Robinson, um, give me uh, Mike Davis and Dave Montgomery, and I could probably run with this Chicago. And give me the Bears defense all the way and twice on Sunday. Um as far as Broncos go, Flacco, uh, super flex at best. Um, yeah, even even that's. I mean, yes. I, I'd rather I mean pick up Gardner Minshew and, and play uh, yeah. him instead. <laughs> True. 
Um, it's but I, I get your point, right? It's if you really need to, if you're desperate, you're you know, let's say you had Nick Foles and you didn't get Minshew and you, you had no other choice. It, you know, you want to have a quarterback as opposed to other positions, but it definitely is scary. Yeah, and as far as running backs go for Denver, I don't, I don't trust any of them. Um, simply because the, the the volume is there and the targets are there, but you don't know who it's going to because we all saw Lindsey break out last year when Royce Freeman should have. And now Royce Freeman has less carries but more yardage, and Lindsey has more carries but less yardage. Um, again, Royce Freeman, his longest was 26 yards, uh, but it, for out of the total of 56 yards, he had nine carries for 30 yards. That's not too thrilling for me versus Lindsey, who did a lot better, since his longest is nine. Um, so I wouldn't touch the Broncos running backs. And as far as their wide receivers, give me Cortland Sutton. Give me Emmanuel Sanders. And I don't even take Noah Font. Fant? Font? Something like that. Um, I would take him. Those are the only three I would take off of the Broncos. I wouldn't even touch that defense. It got torched and beaten up. They claim get sacked against the uh, Raiders. Yeah. I don't trust it. Kayla, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with most of that. I would definitely start the Bears' defense in this, and I'm also definitely staying away from the Denver running backs. I mean, I'm a big advocate of Philip Lindsay. I think he's a great running back. I don't think it should be a committee. I think Royce Freeman should be the backup. Um, so I'm not starting either of them just because of what Chicago's defense did to Aaron Jones last week. Um, the Packers really struggled with having any sort of run game uh, in that game. So I expect that the defense for Chicago is going to be stellar as usual and it's just going to make it a hard day especially on the running backs for Denver um I think though Noah Font Fant, whatever we're going to call him um there's definitely stronger plays at tight end than him um so if there's really nobody available which I really doubt in your leagues then sure go for him but you probably have a better option at tight end I want to see more production and uh, more success from him before I'm, I'm sold on him. Um, but for uh, Chicago, also on offense, I'm scared Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I think he goes back and forth, and he's just he's been successful because of the team he has around him. Um, even if he has a comeback game, I'm not going to bank on that because you know we thought the Packers in game Packers game with the Bears was going to be much higher scoring, especially since he was opening up the season. It was completely a letdown in my opinion. Um, but I really like Tariq Cohen, especially as a flex, even if he lined up as a wide receiver, he made it work for himself. So um, I expect, you know, that to continue. He did it in the last couple years with Jordan Howard. He's been successful. Um, he finds the end zone a lot also by playing the role that he's been playing for years. So I like him almost every week. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I got on that matchup. I actually agree with a lot of what was said there. Um, uh, yeah, I echo the fear of the Denver running backs. I mean, they they split the snaps pretty much right down the middle, 34 to 30 in favor of Lindsay. Three red zone carries for Lindsay, two red zone carries for Freeman. So it's not as if either one has a a goal line role worked out. And I don't know, as you mentioned, this I, I expect the Bears to have a much better game this week. And it's going to be tough for the, the Broncos, A, to run against them and B, to be in a position to be able to run, I think. You know they're going to have to air it out. They're going to get behind, especially if their defense does plays as they did on Monday night. It's you know it, Chicago's probably going to control a lot of the the line of scrimmage, and that's why I really like a guy like David Montgomery this week. Um, now, even though Davis, yeah, do you have got, to add 
about David Montgomery. Sorry, I forgot about him. Um, but in my opinion, he looked like the best running back when he yep. was out there, and I think Chicago really missed the opportunity to build momentum with him. Um, switching everybody in and out. I know Mike Davis was successful, and obviously I just talked about Trent Cohen. But David Montgomery, like the one pass he caught, he was open. He hauled it in. He did what he was supposed to do on that play, and it looked like when you know he was he was spinning off of people and pushing for those extra couple yards, yards after contact when he was running in there. Um, so I think if Chicago is smart, they turn to him more, and I really hope I see that this weekend. Because Mike Davis saw seven targets, and uh, I mean. None of, none of them looked were nearly as impressive as that that David Montgomery catch, and they didn't really use Mo- Davis down the field like they did Montgomery, and that's it's the way they kind of used Tariq Cohen. So I always kind of envisioned it being more of those two. And um, I, I, you know, Mike Davis got what he got five carries, seven targets. That's you know twelve looks in the game. I don't I don't know if he ever sees that again in the season, because uh, I agree with you. I, I think David Montgomery looked like the best back there, and if they were able to run block. Uh, which I thought they actually would be able to run block pretty well against the Packers. Run defense was one of my major major concerns for the Packers defense, and they actually played really well. So uh, you have to think that the Denver we we saw last week the Denver run blocking was atrocious atrocious on defense, and Josh Jacobs just sort of ate them up the whole game. Uh, and I I like David Montgomery as much as I like Josh Jacobs, so it's tough for me to say to to, to not play David Montgomery in leagues I have him, especially considering how early you took him. Um, and yeah, Allen Robinson, he's going to get games like this. 13 targets. We saw it last season. There was a couple games with 14 targets. And when they have the matchup to exploit it, they will. I don't know that Denver has a corner that can cover Allen Robinson. I mean, their best corner is Chris Harris. Uh, Allen Robinson's, what, 6'3"? Chris Harris is 5'10". It's, it's going to be really tough to, to have Harris be able to stop Robinson from catching the football and producing. My big concern with Tariq Cohen, the 10 targets, Alessandro, you mentioned it, is he was always lined up in the slot. Anthony Miller barely played that game. I think he played 20, 22% of the snaps. He got one target out of that game. Yeah, I definitely expect a bigger, you know, just being on the field more for Miller as he gets healthier. I mean, he, Cordell, Cord, Cordell Patterson and Javon Wins played more snaps than Anthony Miller. That's not something I expect to see often or at all. Uh, Taylor Gabriel played three times as many snaps as him. That's also something I... I Gabriel's probably going to be a, have a role, but I think Miller's role is going to expand, and that might come at the cost of a guy like Gabriel. It also might come at the cost of someone like Cohen. So I, I think Cohen's still a good play this week, just because, again, I think Chicago can put up a lot of points against Denver. Um, but, yeah, C- Cohen may be someone to start moving away from. You know, see if there's trade offers, someone's looking for running back depth. That might be someone that get, gets phased out of the offense. He played 70% of the snaps, though. Uh so maybe maybe that's something that's sustainable. But I, again, I think as Anthony Miller plays more, someone like Cohen's role will diminish. Uh, I think, are we good to move on from that game to one of the more exciting games this week? It was certainly when these two played in the playoffs last year, one of the best games of the season. It's the Saints at the Rams. So Kayla, take us away. All right, yeah, I got the game of the week here for sure. Um, I expect this game to be a shootout, so I'm going to skip both defenses. Uh, <laughs> you can stream somebody else. Don't 
don't waste your time when the, with the teams giving up the points in this game. Um, obviously, the starts for New Orleans have to be Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas. Um, that's that's a no-brainer. We don't even need to discuss why you should start them. Um, Sleeper, I went back and forth on this just because he's dealing with an illness, but I'd watch it uh, for the injury report as game time gets closer. But wide receiver Ted Ginn was, uh, caught all seven of his targets last week for 101 yards. So if he plays, uh, he's building some sort of relationship with Drew Brees. And if this is going to be a shootout, they're going to need to move the ball around. And likely uh, the Rams know coming in that they're playing Kamara and Thomas. So um, he might be open or uh, have a little more attempts with the targets from Brees. Um, so if he plays, I think he's a sleeper. And you must, some could argue that you should start him just for that reason. But I would watch uh, the no practice thing. I'm not sure if he practiced today, but he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday because of that illness. Um, according so to NFL. What'd you say? So I, according to NFL.com, he practiced in full today. So okay. I, I, to your point, I think Gin's maybe a good play this week. If Again, if you expect this game script to be the way it is, Vegas has it as the second highest behind only the Chiefs-Raiders game. So yeah, I agree. Good call there. Uh, yeah, so then for the Rams on the other side of the ball, um, I'm starting wide receivers Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Woods uh, last week caught eight balls on 13 targets. He was, he led the team in targets. Uh, and Cooper Cup was the most successful. He caught seven uh, passes on 10 targets. And uh, he should have he was the most successful guns blazing. I mean, he should get more usage or scores this week. He kind of had some short passes, but the fact that he was 70% and his passes coming off an injury is exciting. Um, even though he's the number three wide receiver on the depth chart, I don't think he's the number three wide receiver on that team. Uh, that being said, I'm sitting Brandon Cooks. He only caught two passes on six targets for 39 yards. So that just tells me right there that he had less targets than uh, the number two, number three wide receivers. He didn't really make the most of his day, only catching two of them. The drop rate on that is concerning uh, 39 yards. I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want that stat line on my fantasy team. Um, he's not benefiting in the passing game. I know that, you know, uh, Malcolm Brown and Todd Gurley kind of got it going in the game, but if uh, Jared Goff is throwing around 23 targets to two other wide receivers, Cook should have gotten more looks than six. He could have spread that ball out, especially with the talent that the receiving core has. Um, but, yeah, in this game, I'm sitting Brandon Cooks just because it kind of looks like Goff was moving away from him. And, you know, maybe it was because of the defense last week that Cooks was kind of guarded more. But, you know, you should catch more than two passes when you have six targets. I guess the really interesting thing is going to be who Marshawn Lattimore covers. I mean, Hopkins was able to beat it, but we've already talked about this. Hopkins is in a, a class of his own, right? I don't know that either Woods or Cooks kind of has that ability to, to – consistently beat a guy like Lattimore. So if, if Lattimore is on Cooks, I would agree it would be a uh, time to avoid. Unfortunately, we're probably not going to find out until the game uh, who's going to be on who. So uh, it, it does make it trickier. Uh, talking about Cup, though, played 90% of the snaps, so he looks like he's ready. Like he, you mentioned, Kelly, we're guns blazing. Like he, they did not limit him at all. Up. So he looks like he's healthy and fully recovered and ready to go. Mm-hmm. He was one of their main, other than Todd Gurley running, Cooper Cup was like their main red zone weapon last year. He didn't see a red zone target in this game. Tyler Higby got two. That might be an outlier and something that's corrected this week. I, yeah, again, it's an outlier. I'm, I'm not afraid to play Cooks because I think that this game is going to be a massive shootout and 
maybe not quite what the the Rams Chiefs last year, but I, I still think a really high scoring game. And Will Fuller was able to get open deep on on the Saints, and Cooks has that similar skill set. So I'm a little more positive than you are, but I, I certainly see the hesitation, and I, I definitely think Woods and Cup are, are maybe better options. But I I, I know uh, just on DFS prices of the three, Cooks tended to be the cheaper. So I mean, you're it's not just you that says that. That's kind of how you know those receivers are viewed in the pecking order it's woods cup cooks but again i think that's that that team is based so much on those three that i i, I have a hard time benching any of them on any certainly and not a game like this where the score could be so high i'm also not on, sure because most likely in your draft you took cooks in like the fourth or fifth round yeah uh, so that's kind of a high price for a wide receiver so yeah I, I see your point i'm just concerned about his usage right now and i'd rather be wrong and not start him than start him and have a similar stat line so hopefully he can change my opinion this weekend yeah i would say the advice there is if you know the only way you'd be able to bench cooks is if you had receivers and that were in such great positions and such great matchups that you had you had like no choice um right. As for the running backs, what do you think about Todd Gurley? Do you th- I mean, he played 70% of the snaps, didn't see a single red zone carry, even though they they had six red zone carries for running backs. Do you think, what, what do you what do you think? There's so many things to digest there. Um, I think definitely Gurley is better off than he was in the postseason last year. He just really didn't look himself um, in their playoff run last season. But um, I think there's still something wrong there. Um, because, you know, the Rams wouldn't have used Malcolm Brown as much as they did. I mean, he had 53 yards and two touchdowns, so he took those touchdowns away from Gurley. Um, so Malcolm Brown, I mean, could be a sleeper, especially if, um, you know, Todd Gurley is still limited. I understand that he played 70% of the snap, but his fantasy stat line wouldn't tell me that. Um, so I think, you know, for right now, with something still being a little off, can't necessarily pinpoint exactly what it is. Um with any limitations to Gurley, Malcolm Brown comes up, but I, I'm not going to bench Todd Gurley, especially because he can be used in the pass game, which is another reason why, you know, starting a receiver who didn't have a lot of production last week kind of scares me. Um, Cause it's not like Gurley is like one of those running backs who can only run the football. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not going to bench him, but I'm not, you know, making him my running back one of the week. Hey, Alessandra, what do you think about this matchup? I think y'all disrespecting Cooks heavily here, okay? Um, and here's why. Last year, Brandon Cooks, a- a- as a receiver, because this is to, technically would be second full year or first full year, one of the two, with the Rams, he put up 12, he put 1,200 yards up, 1,204 total yards off of 80 receptions. He was targeted 117 times. The first few weeks, he did... Um, 15 in week one, 50 week two, 80 week three. He was slow, and then they built up. So I think that's how the trend is going to be again for this year. Now, um, speaking as a fan of him, um, so a little biased, but um, I think Brandon Cooks is a very fast downfield vertical route runner. He stretches the field with his speed. Cooks is a slot receiver. And Woods is can be a slot, but he runs down the field and then slots it, and uh, he does a little crazy things. But Woods is a very viable, very versatile uh, wide receiver. 
So I think that's why he was seen. He had the hot hands, and he was seen more. And I mean, like you said, like you guys said, the, the Carolina defense um, pressured uh, Jared Goff. They got uh, six hits on him, but they only sacked him truly once. So I think there was some uh, more targets going his way that he could have caught, or there was something that you know he was knocked off or something. There's a whole lot of slew of things, but I think Brandon Cooks stretches the field just enough that uh, golf will start throwing it deep again um, once he finally shakes off the uh, the um, the three points they put up in the Super Bowl kind of rust. Um, but Cup, again, like you guys said, he's very good, and he is on the comeback, and I like it a lot. Woods, I've always liked them. So it's um, just how it is, and um, I, I kind of like it. Um but uh, as far as uh, the Rams go, I will take golf. Give me um, – I'm not touching the running backs unless it's Malcolm Brown. Give me Woods. Give me Cup. And give me uh, Cooks. I'll take them all. Um, and then uh, I'm not trusting the defenses like Kayla said. And as far as the, um, the Saints go um, – Ryan Ramsick, their offensive tackle, was limited on Thursday with a thigh injury, so that worries me a little bit. Um, their safety, Marcus Williams, was limited for with a groin injury. Uh, their DT has a hamstring. Their other DT, Sheldon Rankins, has an Achilles injury. And their linebacker, Craig Robertson, has a hamstring. So that worries me a whole hell of a lot. Um um, I guess you, that would, I guess, and that would make it so that Malcolm uh, Malcolm Brown is a viable play then. If the if you know their defensive line is is sort of injured and they can get more yards on the ground, maybe gets finds the end zone again, maybe twice like he did last week. Yeah, and I, and I like Malcolm Brown more than Gurley. I mean, tr- trust me. If, if hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, if he's I gonna like, get red, five red zone carries. I have to agree with you, but uh, I like him more than Gurley because Gurley scares me with his knee. I'm worried that it's going to go any day. Now, when if Gurley was not hurting, if he didn't have the Achilles in the knee or anything of that nature, yes, give me Gurley every day of the week, twice on Sunday. I mean, the man's a beast. Um, I hope he doesn't have an Achilles thing. <laughs> we only know about the knee at this point. I that, that's why, like, just anything. Arthritis, I think, is the word you're looking for. Yes. Um, but all of that, like, it worries me. So that's a big worry with uh, Gurley. But looking towards the Saints, you're going to take Breeze. You're going to take Kamara. Latavius Murray is a very good flex play. Um, yeah. Give me Thomas. Give me Ginn if, in the flex play if you want to play him more. Um, uh, I wouldn't trust Traquan Smith just yet. You know, the kid's still got to prove himself a little bit more before I actually start trusting him. And then, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I hate this man, but I can't hate him. Taysom Hill. He's, he's he does just enough to yeah. be on the stat sheet, but he takes away targets. He had one target on two. He had two targets, one reception, and with and for nine yards with a touchdown. But he ran the ball twice for eight yards. Like the man takes things away, and I don't like him, but I love him <laughs> because he's such a he's such a versatile guy. And so. it's and it's not like you can ever play him in fantasy because you're not you, know, you can't you can't play him because you can't really predict when those games are going to happen. Exactly. Course, well, like, but I love him. God knows I love him. He's a great guy and he he's a very good player. But damn it, man. 
Well, that's the one how, thing I'll that's... say is that, like, looking at this matchup, and if we think if it's going to be so high scoring, and I definitely believe it is, then the tight ends, you know, if you're looking at tight ends, you always look for touchdown dependent, unless you've, you've got one of the top three, I'll say at this point, maybe four if you count Evan Ingram. But other than that, like, you're really just looking for touchdown upside. I think Jared Cook provides that for sure. And I think he's. He's probably a must-play. Well, not a must-play, but I think if you took Jared Cook, you probably don't have a better option. Maybe maybe you got lucky and got TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews off the waiver wire. But uh, in all likelihood, Cook's your best play at tight end. Tyler Higby's kind of interesting. Um, but again, he got two red zone targets and Cooper Cup didn't have any. So I could I, I would definitely expect Cup to get more and might come at the expense of Higby. So it's it's really risky if you're really stuck and have no one. Maybe you got really blindsided by the Hunter Henry injury and you couldn't even get a Vernon Davis. Higby's not a horrible play just because, again, you're, if you're just chasing touchdowns, this matchup's probably going to have a lot of them. Uh, Kayla, any final words for our next matchup? Nope. Okay, well, let's get to the what could be a Sunday night shootout, but it also could be a defensive matchup. It's the Eagles and Falcons. Maybe these offenses fly. Certainly in a dome in Atlanta helps. But I also remember a game, I think it was last year, the, wasn't it the season opener from last season? And uh, it, it ended up, both teams scored under 20 points. So uh, both defenses certainly are capable. Now, you would have thought the Eagles' defense would have completely dominated Washington last week. So the fact that they allowed Washington big points kind of leans me to the side of this might end up being a shootout. and the, the Falcons' offense will come alive, which will then force the Eagles' defense to be in shootout mode like they were last week. So I think... I think a lot of the players in this game should be played. Certainly both quarterbacks. Yeah, if you think like-minded to me and see the possibility of the shootout here, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz are kind of really smart plays here. Um, at receiver, I think you want to play the, certainly the top two receivers on each team, maybe even top three. You look at the Eagles, you got Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, not to mention, obviously, Zach Ertz at tight end. Uh, and then um, for the Falcons, you've got, again, Julio is an automatic start. Calvin Ridley at so early enough in drafts that he probably is an automatic start. I think definitely in this matchup that has the potential to be really high scoring. I think you want to do that. A guy like Mohamed Sanu could end up being really valuable too. I mean, he he actually led the Falcons receivers in snaps last week. So he was on the field more than than Julio. And I guess part of that was Julio's kind of dealing with a bit of a foot injury. They're, you know, they don't want to play him on every down if they don't need to, certainly when they got down by a lot. Uh, as long as they can keep it close, though, I think uh, Julio's going to be on the field. Austin oh, Hooper probably makes sense as a tight end as well. Uh, as for the running backs, it's tricky. Uh, certainly look at what uh, the Vikings defense forced the Falcons to become last week. And um, Devontae Freeman fumbled, too, which also really hurt his stock, because he's usually the pass catcher when it comes to running backs. So I was really surprised to see he got that far game scripted out and that he was, playing time was split evenly 50-50 between him and Ito Smith. I wonder if that's Dan Quinn kind of punishing him for the fumble. So maybe as long as he as long as he can keep a hold of that football, I think he's going to keep a hold of that job as well. So I would I would play Freeman. Uh, again, it, it took him early enough. Or unless you you've got great running back depth, there's not a whole lot of better options. And then for the Eagles, I think the only running back that's playable is Miles Sanders. He definitely looked like the best back in that backfield. And I mean, unlike David Montgomery, he actually saw the most playing time. So. So if I think David Montgomery is going to come in and establish himself, I have to think the same of of the of Sanders, who actually was on the field more, got some red zone looks, got a couple carries inside the five. Um, Dalvin Cook just torched this defense last week, so I think Miles Sanders is is a pretty great play, borderline must start. 
Kayla, what do you think? Um, I'm always skeptical to play any Philadelphia running back because it seems like every other week it changes up on who has the most carries or who gets in, who gets the touchdowns or who has those long runs or who's used on special teams. So it's, it's always a toss up for me. I try to stay away from Philadelphia running backs. Now, if you have one of them um, as one of the running backs that you want to, that you need to play each week, um, then I like Miles Sanders just because of what you said. Um, as far as Philadelphia, I would play Zach Ertz. Um, he didn't have, he was a little quiet last week, but I expect that to change just based on recent history. And I think uh, it might be, it might be a scenario where Philadelphia tries to use him more just because of his size. Um, for Atlanta, I had liked what you said about Mohamed Sanu. He also isn't owned in many leagues. Uh, I don't know the percentage. Maybe Alessandro can find that again. Um, didn't put that in my notes for uh, this week, but I'll be sure to do that in other weeks. Uh, but Mohamed Sanu, he seems he seems to be a target for Matt Ryan when they're going for either long touchdown plays or just kind of when they get close 20, 30 yards out, um, if they're not necessarily in the red zone. I like him just because, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley's there, obviously, Julio Jones there, obviously, but Julio Jones just got paid. He got paid and he doesn't get into the end zone. So uh, thankfully he salvaged his day last week, but I think Julio Jones is overpaid and is overhyped a lot. I'll probably get a lot of comments on this this podcast because i just said that but um, that might be the hottest take that has been said on this podcast (laughs) i don't think muhammad sanu is better than julio jones but when it comes to fantasy production i feel like i'm more comfortable relying on muhammad sanu to get a touchdown than julio jones so i like a sneaky play with muhammad sanu this week i'm not gonna bench julio but i'm not (laughs) But, it, I mean, it doesn't sound like you, you probably don't have him in your leagues because you, you oh, doesn't sound like you would no. be worth taking a first-round pick on him. No. Oh, hell no. Okay. Well, I guess, uh, wow, you're saying he that too, Alison. He will never be on my fantasy team. What? I don't no. Think. I'm not saying that. I like Julio. Julio gets oh. me yardage. Yeah. Yards, he gets me hell yardage. Um, so 39 yards last week and three catches is a great day in your PPR league? No, I'm talking about all of last year when he had, like, what? No touchdowns? I think he had eight touchdowns last year. Uh, but to, to your point, Kayla, I know I, I was someone who was definitely off of Julio in DFS last week just because I was kind of scared of this Vikings matchup. The thing is, I, the Eagles don't have a corner that can stop them. They don't have a Xavier Rhodes. Uh, now, I, again, the, the foot injury is, is – that's the one thing that worries me is what, what kind of shape he's in. Uh, he wasn't listed on their injury report at all this week. So they must have just felt that he did. He was healthy enough. Again, I think the fact that that game was such a blow is probably why he only played sixty-eight percent of the snaps. I would expect to see it in the ninety percent this week, especially if it is a shootout. They they need him in the field to win the game. But as oh, you yeah. said, you're you're not advocating benching him because again, you can't really afford to bench your first round picks. But you know, maybe temper expectations because this defensive line is really good and maybe Matt Ryan doesn't have the time to get on the ball at all. That, that is certainly a, a plausible scenario. Well, here's the thing, Kyle. Um, I just got the update. Jordan Reed, since we are talking Eagles and they did play the Skins last week, Jordan Reed is actually ruled out, so he will not play. So, uh, definitely. my Vernon Davis pickup suddenly. <laughs> yep. Um, I almost but- said Vernon Adams. That's Vernon Adams. Anyways, um, so with the Eagles, Malik Jackson is out, and Kruger Hill 
their linebacker is dealing with an injury. So I would temper expectations about uh, the Eagles' defense, so to speak. So, Kayla, Julio may get a touchdown this week. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but to your point, yes, I agree with you as far as the Eagles' defense. I'm not uh, not defense. Running backs, um, it looks like running back by committee, but Miles Sanders leads, looks to be leading the pack, but it doesn't look like any separation. Sproles is still looking Sproles. Uh, Howard is still, um, you know, rocking it out, and Miles Sanders is still looking like a rookie, even though he got the most t- most hands. Um, I just I just can't tell if this is a good matchup for Howard because of what Delvin Cook not. did against him last week, or be- well, then that's the thing. The other the other side of that is if this game is a shootout, then it totally takes Jordan Howard out of the game. So I I, I know I have him in one league, and it's a pretty deep league. We can start. We have to start a minimum of three running backs. You can put as many as six technically. Uh, and I don't really have that many great options anyway, so he, he's a consideration. But I, I think I ultimately I'm deciding to bench him this week just because I I, I think this isn't the, the week for him. I actually thought last week was going to be the week for him against Washington. He maybe get some touchdowns, and that turned out to be a shootout. So if the Eagles' defense isn't all it's chalked up to be, I think Howard's pretty useless throughout this season. I mean, I wouldn't call him useless. He's going to have some good matchups when he goes against the. Dolphins and the Jets because they play the AFC East. That's um, true. Okay, so save Howard for those matchups and then cut him. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I and sorry, threw, Alessandro. No, no, I threw our names in there because we both know it's very true. But more to the point, um, I like Carson Wentz. He is a starting uh, quarterback for me, you know, in PPR, in fantasy, super flex, whatever you want play with because I, I like him a lot obviously from our conversation earlier um give me djax obviously give me hurts i'll take alshon jeffrey um gudart no i'm not a big fan of him especially when you got hurts and um aguilar i don't trust them all that much um you got djax and jeffrey and hurts um and then you got the running backs who will get more uh, targets than you so as a wide receiver i don't trust them um, and he, and he played the most snaps out of all the receivers on the team, too. Which is that's scary that he, he was out he there. Fi- he got five targets, but he only hauled in two of them. So that's also saying a lot. I mean, he played as he was on the field as much as Jeffrey was, and less than Deshaun Jackson. And look how much more production Deshaun Jackson had. So I definitely think he's at least third on that pecking order. And then you, as mentioned, add in the tight ends and the running backs. Yeah, Algalore is scary to start. Yeah, and then you know, I mean, it's. Uh, you really can't fight them. I mean, you got Jeffrey and tight ends, and then you got the running backs, and Jeffrey could do the jet sweep, and it, it, it's a whole lot. I don't trust Aguilar um, at all. Um, as far as the Falcons go, um, I like Matty Ice. I have him in one of my leagues, but the Super Flex League, and he's my second quarterback. My first one is currently Tom Brady. Um, so, and that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, uh, Play him if you want. Um, player beware. Uh, the Eagles do have decent corners. I know they were terrible last year where they are playing wide receivers in their corners, but uh, they do have decent corners this year. So by, uh, player beware. Um, as far as the running backs go, obviously Minnesota Vikings tore up the rushing attack. Um, Devontae Freeman had the most, and I like him, uh, but I don't trust him. I don't trust any of the rushing attacks this week for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. It, Aito Smith, Devontae Freeman, I would stay away at all. Austin Hooper, 
number one wide receiver or technically tight end. Um, don't trust him. I still don't. I've never liked Austin Hooper at all. I think even he, though he got nine targets last week. Yeah, I, I, at all. I don't like him. It, I, it, th- I think if the Eagles' pass rush gets to them, someone shorter shorter routes underneath the Hooper might. That was that was the thing last week. That was part of why he got so many targets is because Matt Ryan had no time. If that ends up being the case this week, I, I don't know. I, I think Cooper's a pretty good play. So, Well, here, here's the thing. Um, Malik Jackson, the Eagles' big one, besides Fletcher Cox, is out. So, yeah, you mentioned that. And, and their OLB, Craig Crew Hill, he's also out. So the, the pass rush, as far as edge rush, is not there. But in interior rush, is still there with Fletcher Cox. But then the other side of that is the Land Falcons has in a shaky O-line. And I know for a fact, because they took one of my guys from my O-line last year, James Carpenter, and he's way past his prime, and he's hurting bad. So it's a hit. It's a hit or miss. Unless they could really exploit that avenue, I don't think they're uh, going to touch Maddie. Unless Fletcher Cox decides to go off. Um, so I think there'll be time. Which he's been known to do. Which he's been known to do. Um, but I, I think uh, Matty Ice will have enough time to throw to Julio, to Ridley, uh, Kayla's big um and Sanu, and I kind of I kind of agree with her in that uh, sense. Um, but that's about all I'll trust as far as the Falcons. All right, so let's get to the Monday night game. Uh, and first, before we get to that, uh, just want to talk about our partnership with Statement Games again. So full press coverage is doing uh, sponsoring uh, Statement Games contest. So if you want to join, it's free to join. Go to statementgames.com, uh, and then in the contest lobby, look for our uh, Monday night game, which will be the Browns at the Jets full press coverage contest. Uh, we're keeping track of all the the scores from the, from all the Monday nights in these statement games contests, and at the end of the year, the people with the best scores will win prizes from the going for uh, sorry the full press coverage uh, merch shop. So uh, thanks Design Tree through that. Uh, so yeah, so that's the Jets Browns game. So let's preview that game, and who better to lead us off on that than uh, our Jets guy here, Alessandro? Listen here, I'm crying, man. This is terrible. So um, earlier in the week, Sam Darnold has uh, has been reported out for this game. He has mono, and he will be out for the next foreseeable future. So Trevor Simeon is next man up. God help the Jets. Um, <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Caleb. Um, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell was listed on the injury report earlier this week with uh, uh, shoulder soreness. CJ Mosley was listed with a groin injury that he got during the game against the Bills. And then they decided to run the hell out of the ball. Still mad about that. Um, Quinn Williams also had a rolled ankle in that game, and he was seen in a walking boot. Uh, Jamal Adams complained of tightness in his back and his calves, so he was also listed on the injury report. So, right there, that's pretty much my top guys, and that's no bueno. Um, since then, Sam is still out. Uh, Quinn Williams is not in a walking boot, but he was limited in practice, so that's not filling me with hope. But it is a Monday night game, so uh, he is questionable to play. Um, CJ Mosley is still doubtful to play with the groin injury. Uh, Le'Veon Bell did have an MRI on his shoulder, so he is... Going to play Monday night. He has confirmed it. Uh, there is no tear, stress, or damage of any kind in his shoulder. It's just that it got knocked a little bit too hard, and he's just complaining of a boo-boo. 
So he's all good to go. And then Jamal Adams, uh, full participant in practice. So it tells me that he just like pinched the nerve wrong or did something stupid in his back, and he just he's all good now. So that makes me a little bit better. But um, as far as this matchup goes, Browns got uh, got whooped by the Titans in their home field, 43-13 by the ti- by the Tennessee Titans. Baker Mayfield, uh, he had 285 yards off 25 completions, three interceptions, which some of it is right time, right place by the Tennessee Titans, and other times it's bad throws. So that for me, that's a mixed bag. He did get sacked five times for 41 yards, so the O-line is shaky at best for them. Uh, Nick Chubb did uh, rush uh, 17 times, so he is the lead carry um, for 75 yards, but no touchdowns. Um, OBJ and his very expensive watch had 11 targets with only seven receptions and 71 yards, no touchdowns. The only touchdown uh, of that game uh, went to David Njoku. So, um, again, that's a mixed bag. Considering Landry had uh, seven targets, hauled in four of them. Rashard Higgins had three targets, hauled in two of them. Um, Then David Njoku, who had the third most targeted. Um, Everyone else, it just seems like a long list of running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends that could scrounge up to catch the ball, and they couldn't seem to do anything. Um, So, for Cleveland... I would play Baker, only because the Jets' defense is hurting at corners, especially with Jermaine Johnson having that uh, ham- hammy injury in the preseason, and we definitely saw it in week season one, so they'll probably exploit that avenue, assuming that he's not actually better this week, uh, having that extra rest. Um, I wouldn't play Nick Chubb. I know Devin Singletary and Frank Gore attacked the hell out of the Jets on the ground, but um, C.J. Mosley's been talking up. Blake Cashman, um, try and get them straight. So if they could get him and uh, Jamal, my linebacker, Jamal Adams, <laughs> um, all set, then we should be good. Yes, I know he's a safety, but he plays linebacker sometimes because he hits really hard. Um, I would play OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and David Njoku. Those are the only guys I would truly trust. But I wouldn't play. I would not play the Cleveland defense. And that's not because Trevor Simeon is that terrible. It's because of what I feel the Jets can do. And bonus, this is a revenge game. Uh, Sheldon Richardson. Well, it's not really revenge, but Sheldon Richardson. My old uh, DT. Um, he was drafted by the Jets, played with us for a couple of years, and then he was traded because apparently he was locker room cancer, and he bounced around the league, and now he's on the Browns. So that's definitely going to be an interesting player there. And then for the Jets, obviously Sam's out, so Trevor Simeon is in. I don't know how he's going to be since we only saw him preseason, and he was decent in preseason, but that's second and third stringers that they're playing up against, so that's a mixed bag on itself. Um, Le'Veon Bell, 17 carries, 60 yards, plus the touchdown. He was targeted nine times, holding six of them for 32 yards, a lot of checkdowns, so that's definitely PPR. Um, and he did have a TD plus a two-point conversion um, pass. So that's definitely points there. Um, Sam was sacked four times. So my O-line is still trying to get Jelly together. But uh, it's going to be a while. So Trevor Simeon may be running for his life. Um, as far as Jets go... I wouldn't tr- trust Trevor Simeon. The only person on the Jets squad I would trust is Le'Veon Bell 
and Jameson Crowder. Um, I did see in preseason, Trevor Simeon did like to throw to the slot and the under routes a lot. So Q definitely got a lot of love, but he's on IR without with a season engine season season ending injury in the neck, which he had last season, so this may be his career. Q, I'm pulling for you, man. Um So the only two Jets I would trust is Crowder and Bell. And if you're feeling really frisky, then you go for my defense, but I would not trust my defense. I'd rather trust the Browns defense personally. Yeah. Uh, especially if Bell's out, I think the Browns defense is a great play. Sorry. Bell being no, 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 there is no, the Bell, one thing that... Bell's in. Yeah, well, we think. I mean, we'll find out Monday. No, 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 it's official. He's in. It, it's official, but they could change that Monday. That's true, yeah. Which, again, at that point, we're not... I mean, and here's the thing. we're gonna You're probably going to have to decide Cleveland defense or not Sunday morning. So you're right. It's probably moot point. Uh, I, even with Bell in, though, I still don't think it's a horrible matchup for the Browns. There's a... One thing I noticed this week that's kind of strange is there are eight road teams that are favored. Half the league that are favored this week are on the road. So looking for home matchups with defenses, it's really tough this week. There's a lot of good, uh, like, like again, all, I, I feel like all the best defensive matchups are on the road, for, at least for the streaming options. Guys like the Bills on the road, the Browns are on the road. Um, I was going to say the Bears. The, no one's streaming the Bears, though. That was the eighth round, eighth round pick Bears in most leagues. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I think Alessandro, who are on point with who to play for the Jets. I, I'd consider Robbie Anderson. It's tough though with Simeon to know how those deep balls are going to be, but definitely Crowder and Bell seem like oh, solid oh, options. Um, if you do want to play Trevor Simeon in Superflex leagues, um, then pick up DT. Uh, while um, Demarius Thomas was traded to the New York Jets from the New England Patriots for the first time since Denver they, together. They, they, they have experience together. And they have about the same type of system. And Adam Gase was, I think he was mm. there. That's true. The time. That's so there's true. a lot. Of, there's, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of chemistry there. So I think <laughs> that's a lot of things. Plus, the Marys Thomas can play slot, but he prefers to play downfield. Yeah, with so, Crowder, such a good slot receiver. I doubt Thomas sees much time in the slot. Well, we can run two two, two that, slot receivers. That's true. That's true. That's true. Especially with yeah, especially when Herndon's not there. Once Herndon's back, though, I think that that probably is unlikely to happen. But yeah, Herndon's not there for another two weeks, so that makes sense. As for the Browns players, I think you you load them up. I mean, Quentin Williams is didn't practice uh, this week so far. Neither is C.J. Mosley. So uh, Nick Chubb, there's there's definitely concerns last week about Dontrell Hilliard getting the goal line carry. Dontrell Hilliard didn't practice this week, so Nick Chubb, I think, is a, a full go. Obviously, Beckham's go. I think Jarvis Landry makes a great play. Uh, certainly, the the Browns. You mentioned the the you know maybe this is too heavy on narrative street, but they got embarrassed last week. They're going to want to put up the points hard. So even if it's a kind of a blowout, I still expect a guy like Jarvis Landry to see a, a big chunk of targets. Uh, looking at it, I think only two wide receivers played 100 percent of the snaps last week. Those two players were Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. So, uh, like, no, throughout the whole league, the only other receivers, quote-unquote, that got 100% of targets were all tight ends. Guys like Kyle Rudolph, who had zero or one target on that. But, um, so, yeah, so Beckham and Landry are out there, especially if Rashard Higgins doesn't play. Uh, he did practice in a limited fashion, so that does kind of make his availability better. It, in deeper leagues, I think Higgins is a good play, too. Uh, Baker seemed to be looking his way off, and when he was first healthy there, before he started really peppering Odell and, and, and Jarvis. But uh, I think Landry's a, a solid play. Kayla, what well, do you think about this matchup? Sorry, Kayla, hold on. Yeah, um, go ahead. 
Uh, Baker Mayfield after the game was seen with a hand, uh, um, his hand wrapped up, his throwing hand wrapped up after the game. Um, it's nothing serious. It didn't uh, be worthy of being on injury report, but uh, there were some practices where he still had his hand wrapped or had his hand looked at by trainers. And after the game, he said it looked. He said it's fine. He can still throw. That still would be worrying some. So I would temper expectation with the Browns. Plus, you also said they're looking for revenge. They're looking to show the league that they're still who they are. So, I'm looking at missed cues, um, overzealous players trying too hard. I'm looking at uh, a lot of mistakes that they can make just trying to uh, bounce back and get their crown back. That's so fair, and I guess, I guess so Narrative Street is a two-way street all the time, right? So, so crown them if you want to crown them. Okay. Let's walk away from that. And Kayla, talk to us about the matchup. Uh, yeah, Alessandro, you just brought up the whole hand issue with Baker Mayfield. However, they did say that he really didn't have any limitations with it. They were probably just being over-precautionary. But the report, um, I forget who reported it, but there was a report out there that said going into Monday night, uh, there, Baker Mayfield will not carry the hand injury. So uh, I guess whatever, he was probably nicked up a little bit after the game, but it doesn't look to have any impedance on his game on Monday night. Um, as for the Browns, obviously you're going to start OBJ. Um, he'll probably have at least his first touchdown of the season in this game because um, I do think Cleveland will put up some points on the Jets. Uh, Jarvis Landry I think is a safe play. Um I don't think he'll have as much production as OBJ, but you likely don't have both of them in your fantasy team anyway, so I think you can start both of them. Um, as for the Jets, I'm interested to see how Jamison Crowder does with Trevor Simeon. I was high on Jamison Crowder until Sam Darnold uh, was diagnosed with mono uh, just because he had those 14 catches last week. I think it's the most catches in the NFL for a wide receiver in week one. Um, so hopefully he can keep that up with Trevor Simeon. Um, I also hope to see Robbie Anderson get involved, but I'm not going to start him. Um, I'm kind of skeptical to start any of the Jets wide receivers, even though obviously you have to throw it to somebody. Um, I just think that, you know, one of them is not necessarily going to stand out with the first week with Trevor Simeon, especially since they didn't have a full week of practice with Simeon. Um, so that scares me a little bit. I think the Browns could come back and win this game. Um, but I, I obviously think that you have to start Le'Veon Bell in all formats. Um, yeah. And, and as a Jets fan, I'm fully prepared to lose this game, and I really don't care. If I win this game, I will cry. Throwing that out there. I'm well, you'll, I mean, it, you, you can't feel any worse than the Panthers right now, because if you do lose, you'll just be 0-2 like they were after losing yeah. last night's game. And I think that's uh, – I'm forcing the transition here, but I, <laughs> So it's definitely you can not be like the Dolphins, party. too. That should make you feel good. <laughs> yeah, I won't lose every game this year. We'll beat the Dolphins at least once. <laughs> at least once. Um, so, yeah, so the Panthers and the Bucks, another, and we're talking you two with divisional rivals. Well, this divisional game on Thursday night, last night, ended as a 20-14 to 14 victory for the Buccaneers. God, it was terrible. Uh, yeah, it was close, which was nice. But, yeah, this wasn't the, the greatest game of football that's ever been played. Um. <laughs> Uh, hey, one, hey, the one thing here, though, defense has really stepped up in this game, and they played really well. I, I was actually really impressed with the Buccaneers' defense. I thought the Panthers would score a lot more. Certainly thought Christian McCaffrey would do a lot more. He wasn't given the most opportunity. He still had 16 carries, but it, 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 he didn't feel like he got that many. 
And he only got 37 yards. Come on. And his longest was 10. 10 yards. Six targets isn't, I mean, that's enough too, but I don't know. It just felt like he was underused in that game. Well, it's also, this is where, because I'm also a Panthers reporter, so I'm going to do this. Yeah. I can't believe I'm doing this. I am placing blame squarely on two people, Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. They get the blame. There's, there's no other thing. This should have been a blowout. Turner? No, 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 no. This should have been a blowout of the highest order against the Bucks. I know Todd Bowles. He was my former head coach. He's a very good defensive coordinator. He made he made the, the Jets' mud seem like gold when our original D.C. Casey Rogers was out for the three-game stretch against the Broncos, the Colts, and one other team before he came back against the Vikings. During those three games, we had the most sacks, the most takeaways, and the least amount of yardage, minus the Colts game because that was a shootout, but we most least amount of yardage that we ever had that season or two years prior. So that is huge. Transition now, Todd Bowles is using crap guys. They flawed, They are devoid of talent. I mean, they got Ver, Vernon Hargroves, that's great. Levante David, that's also great. Um, they got uh, Namadonk Sue. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Namakon's there. But 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 he's he he didn't notch up anything at all. Not a tackle. Not a solo. He recovered tackle. a fumble. He recovered a fumble. That's he it. Did, he 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 did. So that, uh, we'll yeah. give that. But, but oh, you're right. Than, he was expect, not. He's a former second overall pick, so you definitely expect him to show up every game and at least provide some type of pressure. And you know, rookie this year, Devin White only had two tackles. He they, he missed most of that game. He he went out. I, it was at the first half. I think it might even been the first quarter. So uh, I don't think he returned. Sure the so second that, drive. Yeah, it was early in the game. So I mean, credit to the to the Bucks that you know they're they're inside middle linebacker that they just got to call the plays and help out on the run defense. He goes out and they still hold McCaffrey to I think which was a a, C, a career low in in uh, fantasy point production. Yeah, I know. Trust me, that I had him. But oh yeah, a lot of people had him and were thoroughly uh, disappointed. Uh, Cam still got sacked three times, and so I mean, but but going back to Bowles, he's a very good DC, and, and and no one can dispute that because if you look at his history, he's had very good defenses, but he also had a lot of talent. So there should not have been this bad. But I think what it falls down to is Cam trying to be super Cam. Because everyone's calling him Super Cam and hyping him up, and he wanted to be a hero, and that's when he ran out of bounds because he ran twice. He had two carries, did not get any yards. So he yeah, that was the fourth down call, right? Where yes. he fourth and one, and they that I don't know that almost looked like he got there to be honest. So he, I felt he got a little shafted, and the team got a little shafted, but they turned the ball over on fourth down there, but. But uh, but there was one play when he ran. I'm pretty sure it was out of bounds or somewhere, and he messed up his foot a little bit. I'm pretty sure it was like in the beginning part of the game. But he messed yeah. up his foot a little bit, which Red was field. already an injury. Mm-hmm. And you know between the shoulder and the foot and whatever other ailments you know you could throw against Cam, you know in the past three preseason games, it it, it it's all just a, co- a combination. He did throw for 300. And 33 yards. Most of that was to Greg Olson. Not a big shock because it's Greg Olson. That's his blanket. Nine targets, six receptions. Curtis Samuel, 13 targets. Only holding five of them. And he was the big money man uh, in week one. DJ Moore did a lot better. 
Uh, 14 targets, holding nine of them for 89 yards. Uh, he did have a bounce back game, but still not as good. Uh, Chris Hogan was still not being used because it's the Samuel Moore show still there. So, and Olsen coming up the rear. But uh, McCaffrey got uh, six targets, only holding two of them. There was a lot of underthrows, a lot of overthrows. It's an, and while Cam is not very that much of an accurate quarterback, because um, he's more of a scrambler, he you should not be making overthrows to wide open receivers. You should not be making underthrows to wide receivers on a route. Like, come on, man. There, there there's things that you could do to just you know make the ball, make the game a lot better and a lot easier. And that's where I blame Cam. And the other thing I blame is Ron Rivera. He should have taken Cam Newton out as as early as the third. And Are put you in... serious? Yes, I am. Who's Listen. the backup? Exactly, that's the problem. But no, but that, how do you how do you justify that? I mean, you're in a game that in a divisional game, week two of the season, that you can win, and you're going to bench Cam Newton suddenly. I mean, well, you're, you're, he, you're he made some good throws. There were, I agree, there were some throws that he didn't make that that weren't that good, and frankly, throughout the game, it almost looked like Jameis Winston was the better quarterback. That's not a good thing. Um, but, Look, but, Wilker was a healthy scratch, and Kyle Allen is their backup. And yeah, I, and, and I'm not going to lie to Kyle you. Allen's going to go and win you a football game. I would trust him more than Cam Newton. I, I, I honestly, I think, I think the blame falls on North Turner. This wasn't a, the greatest called game. They could have done, they could have involved McCaffrey a lot more. Again, six targets. They probably should have been more. I mean, he saw McCaffrey saw as many targets as Jarius Wright. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. You should be targeting McCaffrey a lot more. Uh, there were some play calls on, especially on third and short calls. Sometimes they were just run off the gut with McCaffrey, and it worked. And then other times they'd get cute and try all these other things. I mean, they were what? They were they had third and one on the goal line, or yeah, third and goal from the one, and they ended up turning it over on downs there instead of, you know, they tried to run Calfrey on the outside on fourth and one, which that you know had some misdirection with Cam. It was that was an interesting play. That was really well defended by the Bucks, but overall, I think that they could. Norv Turner deserves more blame than Ron Rivera. I mean, their their first drive was a turnover and downs. That's the one where you think he got shafted. Their second drive was a field goal. After that, punt, field goal, punt, field goal, punt, field goal, fumble. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, Cam's that, fumble. That was again. That was a good play by the defense, to be fair. But it was. But it's I, don't, still, I don't know that you can't be really fumbling that much. I mean, no, you can't. You also can't bench your starting quarterback just because either. Okay, but uh, punt, turnover, and downs. Punt, turnover, and downs. You cannot have. You cannot be a very good starter quarterback and have three turnover on downs. Especially, you know, again, I think that's North Turner's play team. calling more than Cam. I think that they didn't set up North Turner didn't set up Cam properly. I mean, they were last year the play calling with Turner was amazing, but it's it's almost kind of turning back to what it was with the Vikings, right? And how that got really ugly. There's a good honeymoon period with Turner, and then it gets starts to get really stale. And uh, I don't know. I feel like they need to look in the mirror. I know Cam kind of referenced that after the game, but I think North Turner is the one that really needs to look in the mirror and get McCaffrey the ball more. Just going to the Buccaneer side of it. Chris Godwin, monster game, 121 yards on nine targets. Evans, only 50% catch rate on eight targets, four catches, 61 yards. Starting to be disappointing for what was most certainly a second-round pick for most people. Peyton Barber coming alive, 23 carries. And uh, week one, the the running backs' uh, snaps were split pretty evenly, all in the 30%, all three of the guys. Whereas this game, Barber, I think, was up in the 70%. I had it just up here... 
Yeah, Peyton Barber, sorry, 65%. And versus Dario Gubawale, 25%. Ronald Jones, 12%. So even though Jones looked good on certain runs, he also didn't look so good on certain runs. Um, he got hurt. So maybe moving forward, Peyton Barber gets a little bit more go in the next couple weeks. If you have him on your team in the next couple weeks, if they're good matchups, maybe start worthy. Kayla, what do you have to say about this matchup? I haven't heard from you in a while. That's okay. Um, I really was impressed by the way Todd Bowles was able to execute on defense. Alessandra and I were talking about it a little bit earlier, actually. Um, but I I think the way that he's been able to turn around, especially the rush defense for Tampa Bay in such a short period of time, bodes well for their future, and I don't think Carolina was prepared for it. They look to kind of move away from Christian McCaffrey more than they should have um, despite this change. And I think Christian McCaffrey is the best player on their offense. And um, I mean, I've never been a big advocate of Cam Newton, but I'm not going to slander him because it looked like an injury was impeding him last night. Uh, and he looked a little more off than I think he usually does. I mean, it looked like he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn last night. So, uh, you know, 13 targets to Curtis Samuel. That's not all on Curtis Samuel. Um, although he needs to have a better catch ratio on that. Newton was just missing everybody. He was throwing behind him. He wasn't throwing them in stride. He was just missing them. Um, so I think it, it raises a lot of questions like you guys were talking about for Carolina's offense and Ron Rivera. I'm definitely a big advocate on not. It's not just the head coach. It's not just the quarterback. But last night, it really did feel like that. It looked like Christian McCaffrey was frustrated, especially on a lot of those zoomed-in video shots. It looked like he wanted the ball more. It looked like on the sidelines, he was asking for the ball more. He was trying to figure it out, and they just didn't give it to him. Um, so I think if McCaffrey would have they would have kept keep pounding with uh, McCaffrey. That was an unplanned pun there. Uh, they would have broken through Tampa Bay eventually, but it looks like they made it a little too easy on Tampa Bay. I'm not super sold on the wide receiving core in Carolina to begin with, but Newton wasn't even giving them a chance. I think it was an ugly game all around from Carolina, and uh, they're going to have a miserable season if they don't turn something around super soon. Kyle, you're a bad influence on her. She's already using puns. I mean, I would argue that's a good influence, but uh, I hope, uh, anyway, I hope we're influencing fantasy people with, to make good decisions, and uh, I know there's a, a lot of discussion here, and it's, it is true that there are no clear answers, so I hope that listening to this kind of gave everyone ideas and thoughts and more ways to evaluate players and just kind of giving more information out there, uh, so be sure to follow the Full Press Fantasy Pod on Twitter at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. Uh, my co-host, you can follow Alessandro at AM underscore Senator. Kayla can be followed at MortonSalt74, right? Had that right? Yep. Okay, good. I, I didn't have it up, so I'm just doing this by memory. And uh, myself oh, at I Nyama. Myself at Nyama underscore KS. Um, you can follow the podcast, as I mentioned, on Twitter. You can also follow Full Press Coverage on Twitter at FP Coverage. Check out all the content on fullpresscoverage.com. Uh, Alessandro has a DFS article out that came out yesterday about best DFS values. I know, Kayla, you'll be doing a sit-start article sometime this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I Myself, I have a Red Zone uh, article. It's called the Red Zone Report. I'm going to do that weekly, kind of talking about what teams did in the Red Zone, about the opportunities. So super important, especially in leagues where touchdowns kind of matter a lot. Those Red Zone opportunities and looks do matter a lot. Um, you can check out the podcast anywhere you listen listen to your podcast and be sure to subscribe to us there. Also check us out on the Full Press Radio Network. So on behalf of Alessandro and Kayla, myself, Kyle Senra, this was 
the Full Press Fantasy Pod.